Just a little quick warning at the top of this show, this episode does discuss addiction and depression. So if this is a trigger for you, either skip this one or reach out to Lifeline on 131114. Hi, I'm Libby Trickett. This is All That Glitters, a podcast where I sit down with the world's best retired athletes and explore the transition from the bright lights of competition to the real world. On today's show, we have former Brisbane Broncos star, Jarrell Yowie. Now he kicks across for Barty. Barty doesn't get it. Yowie's got it. Jarrell Yowie. First attempt across. Yowie. It's in the way. It's gone for Jarrell, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been someone I've wanted to interview probably since before I started this podcast for lots of reasons. And I guess for, for people who may not be familiar with rugby league, can you just give us a brief description of, of your playing career? Well, um, firstly, thanks for having me, honestly, Libby. I, it's, for me, it's an honour as well to come here and have a chat uh, on, on, on your podcast. Um, for myself, I think just a brief one, it all started um, – I actually played soccer before I played rugby league, so ah. I wasn't a big rugby league fan. Um, I was actually a soccer – my mum was a Matilda actually as well. So Wow. The – it sort of runs in the family, just the sporting genes. And yeah. I was lucky enough to play, when I played professionally for the Broncos, 60, only 63 games. Um, but 63 of those, I was pretty I was pretty lucky. I was, I got to play for the Indigenous All-Stars as well. I got to represent my country and I got to represent um, my state as well. So, you know, not a very long career, um, a, short and, a short and quick one. But my mum always said to me, if you're going to do something, do it properly, Jarrell. And I like to think that I played footy in that sense and, and I like to think that um, that come with my injury as well because she said, if you're going to do it, do it properly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did that um, re- really well when I did it. So played all my career at the Brisbane Broncos as well, which, uh, you know, I love that club very much. And, um, yeah, sort of that's sort of in a nutshell – you know where where it sort of all come from for me and um, who I am as a as a as a person, um, but I suppose it's probably changed a lot uh, since I retired. You know, back in oh, fourteen now, thirteen mm. now. So my life has dramatically changed, but I still, uh, you know, like to think myself as Jarrell Yeah, the you know the the NRL rugby league player. Because that's why that was partly the reason I wanted to to talk to you about. I mean, obviously you, you're an amazing athlete who did amazing things in, in your sport and have, have retired and, and since moved on into the real world. But it was a, it was a pretty catastrophic injury, um, to say the least. And it was, cause I, I've been a Brisbane Broncos fan my whole life. I didn't know that until I got here today. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. So this is like super lame me. (laughs) Um, but so I, I, I actually was born in Townsville. Yep. Um, but the um, North Queensland Cowboys had not come in to oh, okay. um, play in the NRL yeah, yet. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And so when I moved to Brisbane, I just kept staying with the Brisbane Broncos, obviously. Anyway, I digress. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, obviously watching you start in 2009 yep. for the Brizzy Broncos and – just you had this meteoric rise. It was like you were playing for the Broncos, and then all of a sudden you were playing for State of Origin. You were playing for the Indigenous All Stars. You were selected quickly, for Australia. It? It, yeah. yeah, it was just um, it just accelerated. Yeah, and it was actually watching you in 2012. I was at the Olympic training camp. I'd just been selected my, for my third Olympics after I'd come back. Yeah, um, to swimming and. I was watching the game. It was a game in Perth against 
South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yeah, the, the Rabbits, yeah. The yeah. Rabbitohs. Yep. And it was pouring with rain. Yep. And you went up to contest a kick. Yeah. And you just landed. I, I just I have this vivid memory of yeah, it. Yeah, very awkwardly. Yeah. yeah. Can you – I don't know how you feel about talking about this, but can you talk us through that moment when you landed? We honestly, I think when you go through something as, you know, something as, you know, bad as what I went through – and you come of age and you grow up, I suppose, you get so used to, you know, talking about your past mm. and talking about these things that are big moments in your life. And for me, just hearing what, you know, how you were explaining it, 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 it was a huge, huge part of my life that, dra- you know, drastically changed who I was going to be as a person, as mm. a human being, not only as a rugby league player, but I do remember like it was yesterday, honestly. Um, I had a pretty... It was actually a pretty, um, you know, the, the the week building up was was, and I know in hindsight it's probably like weird to say this, but there a lot of things didn't go our way when we travelled to Perth. Firstly, uh, our flight was really delayed, which never really happens when you you play footy. Everything's like bang, bang, bang. Everything's on, and um, I remember we got there like really late at night. Um, because obviously the flight from Brisbane to Perth is, and that's very different for us to be able to do that. So I just felt like from the start. That trip was, you know, really, really weird. A little cursed. Yeah, a little, <laughs> real, little bit like that. Um, and then my roommate was Benny Hunt at the time. And the next day we were told to go out and, you know, go do some things, get, get, get your body moving. So I don't usually do any of that stuff. Like I'm, when I go and play footy, I, I, I go and play footy. So I don't worry about going out and go shopping. But because we're in Perth, you know, it's a one-off thing, I go do that. But it was just all that stuff leading up. Also, my trainer, Tony um, Spencer Springer, who had, he's still at the Broncos now. He's been there from the inception. He, he always strapped my ankles. Now, he was spitting the dummy uh, because the rooms weren't the way they were supposed to be. So I don't want to put it on Kenny Ra, but another guy who, used to, he, who straps ankles, he strapped my ankle that, strapped my ankle that game. And it just like the, just in hindsight, these things just weren't adding up. But I mm. still remember the moment uh, I was 35 out, we are wearing that banana strip and Peter Wallace put a kick up pretty far, you know, 35 out, but probably on the left side of the post. I played on the right wing and I went up for the ball and Dylan Farrell was my opposite winger um, and over and over, you know, Anthony Griffin and myself would talk about compete on every play. You know, he's got an error in him and that was my, that was my mindset was mm. to do that. Unfortunately, you know, Still caught the ball over top of me and, you know, my, me being 105 kilos and him being, you know, 105 kilos, you know, there's 210 kilos on, on, on my poor ankle and it just, unfortunately, it just didn't bend the right way and, um, you know, that's, you know, the moment you spoke about, the mm. you know, catastrophic moment that um, my bone came out of my skin and it was a compound fracture. Didn't really realise it at the time until I looked up and, you know, we had yellow socks on and, you know, within seconds they were... They were red, so um, it was a pretty, you know, think about it now, I've got a little bit of goosebumps thinking yeah. about it, but yeah, I think to get over things and to, to move on with your life, you have to be able to understand how to talk about these type of stuff that happen in, in your life, and for me, you know, that's been a big, big thing for me is being able to, um, you know, put it behind me, but also when we're ready to talk about it again, you know, you know be open and transparent and be able to talk about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're exactly right. You have to be able to, when you're ready, yeah, be yeah. able to articulate it and almost by speaking about it, it allows you to process it a Most little definitely. bit more and makes it 
more real, mm-hmm. which is yeah. which is scary, right? It is scary. It is it is really scary in that aspect. But I like I said before, as I grew as a human being and as a man, uh, rugby league probably wasn't so kind to men, you know, mm. back in the day in that way and about talking about your feelings and how you felt. And I think, you know, I was ready to put my hand up and change that really quickly mm. and go, you know what, I I don't feel the greatest. And if I don't do it, you know, and we don't do it as athletes, then who who is going to do it? Um, yeah. Because we're supposed to be these amazing human beings that, mm. you know, nothing's ever, you know, going to hurt us. But deep down inside, we, we, we are just human beings like everyone else. We just you know, train very hard and we and we work hard for a goal, you know, and probably the same as everyone else in their life as well. So we aren't different to anybody. And I think, you know, I think I was pretty happy that that moment clicked for me in my life and, and I was happy that I was able to do that. Taking you back to that moment on the field, did you have any understanding at that time how it was going to – because, I like, I have only had one injury but it was – it was a career-ending yeah, injury, yep. and at the time, I couldn't process that that was going to be the end. Did you immediately click into that athlete mode where, okay, I'm going to get it operated on, I'm going to rehab? My my mindset was, you know, I was I, – I, it's fair to say that I had hit my peak, you know, at that moment in my life. I was – I'd done everything but winning grand final for the Broncos. Um, so, yeah, my process – in my brain was, yeah, let's put this behind you, Drew. You've been you've been in situations before, not in rugby league, but in life, you know, um, before where you've been behind the eight ball before. So, you know, just another thing. Because you were what, 23? Yeah, 23 or 20, 22. I think something like, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> something around there. So old now. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Feel you. <laughs> but I think, yeah, in that moment, you just do. As an athlete, you just click in and you go, all right, I've got a lot of training to do and I speak to my trainers and I go, what do we need to do and blah, blah, blah. And then and then I suppose after that all the reality comes with it when, you know, you talk to professionals and specialists and, yeah, for me that's 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 when it sort of started kicking when I got back to Brisbane mm. after a couple of days. And But still, as an athlete, you're stubborn. Ah, and you're stubborn say, AF, man. You're just <laughs> Definitely. And you just go to yourself, that's not me. You're mm. not, not going to tell me what I can do and I'm – I'm going to do everything I possibly can to to prove you wrong. I'm going to be the one against the odds Definitely. to come back from something like 100%. this. Hundred percent. That's what that's what was in my head, and like you, you like yourself, maybe that's 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 we're just built different as athletes, mm. professional elite athletes. We're built different, and that's the reason why we are in in, in the category we are. What made you realize? What was did was there a moment? Because for like for me, when I injured my wrist, I was like, I'm going to come back. Yep. And, and there wasn't a moment. It was like just – it was like a balloon deflating. Yeah. It was like I just started to realise over a period of time that it wasn't going to be possible. Was there a moment for you that you remember? Well, I could imagine – I mean, do you, do you find yourself being – are you a stubborn person? Would Hell you say? yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I would say that I'm a very stubborn person as well. So I think people around me knew that about me. So I don't think anyone wanted to burst my bubble as well mm. uh, because – not only that, I think, um, and I've talked to people about this, but you know, I'm not a not a bad person, so I'm, I'm a pretty good person, and I treat my my friends pretty well, my family. So I think for them it would have been harder to to tell me, but it probably would have saved me a lot of grief along the way. But in saying that, 
I'm so you know blessed that they didn't tell me that it was over for me. They gave me every opportunity to to be Drow Yayi again as a footy player. And I think I needed to realise myself. I don't think, you know, obviously professionals telling me um, that I, I wouldn't be able to do this and I wouldn't be able to do that on my ankle again. But I think, um, you know, I need to figure that out. I need to figure that out myself, you know, as a person. So the day I figured that out was a, was a pretty sombre day, you know. I just knew that I wasn't going to be the same and, oh, as an ath- you know, as an athlete, you push your body for so long, mm. you go, and it's it's not it's not this, it's it's not your brain that's you know, it's your body just shutting down and going, we look, mate, we're just we're not cut out for this anymore. Yeah, we're just we're just not cut out for this anymore. So, yeah, it was that moment was the hardest thing to tell myself mm. to do that, but I think we all have those light bulb moments in our lives, whether it is in sport or everyday life. And mine came probably a lot, a lot later than I thought it was going to be because, like I said, going back to being stubborn. Stubborn. I'm, <laughs> I'm so stubborn. Um, and, I, and I think the other side of me, I didn't know how stubborn I was mm. until someone put this in front of me. Um, and, and just from there, yeah, I, I just became a different person. Um, it completely changed who I was. Because how do you navigate that? Because it's – you have – you were so young – you had this, like I said earlier, a meteoric rise in mm. NRL. You were, you were the young, up and coming, yeah. strong rugby league player who had, I'm sure, more aspirations to win more things and grand finals right. and state of origins and Australian. Well, for, your, for you, we would have won a lot of grand finals if I was still playing. <laughs> yes. and that's not being arrogant. I, 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 I know for a fact because I know how hard I worked. You yeah. Know? So. Yeah, what, those moments, I look at kids the, the, in this day and age and, and I see myself in a lot of people, but there's still only one me, you know, and to, to navigate that was, was going to be was, – was one of the toughest things ever. I mean, because, you know, I, I also was this – not only just for people and fans of the Brisbane Broncos or, you know, my, my rugby league mates, but I was a pretty big deal in my family as in the sense of I was a leader yeah. Uh, I was I was the older cousin. I was the I was the oldest grandson. You know, I was the bigger brother. So, for me to give up, just just I just didn't sit right with me to be able to, because I had a lot of people betting on me, and I think that was that that was really hard to do. Um, was to tell, you know, the people that I loved the most that I was like I just, you know, I. I I'm not the person that you guys think I am at the moment and that is just that's just the that cold hard, hard truth doesn't mean that I won't be the man again one day but at this moment in my time all I know is all I've known is rugby league mm. and that was my tool so to try and how I navigate around this moment I was a bit lost but I trusted I had faith in myself to to get around that and I didn't know how to yet at the, at the time, but I just, I just, I just had a feeling that I just, I was like, you, you're going to do the right thing, and I'm, you can, it's going to be the right thing to do. So, just, I just, I just felt like I had to have faith in myself, and 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 just, just go for whatever I wanted to do. I don't know, I didn't know what was next, but I was like, I just got to, just got to try. So, w- what did you do? There's a few things. Um, one was, you know, I, I went backwards really quickly. 
And I think, you know, if we if we if people sit here and say they didn't go backwards, like, oh, I'd probably tell you they're lying. Oh yeah. You know, everyone goes backwards, and you know, for me, it was the the rise was. You know, when people go, oh, two steps forward, one step back, I, I took like 50 steps forward in my life. Um, so, yeah, it was the, – the moment that I knew that I wasn't going to play footy again was the moment that I flicked the switch and went, all right, what am I going to do with my life? I know I'm going backwards now. And when I talk backwards, I'm talking like severe depression. I, I was I was, I was was struggling to, you know, identify who I was again um, because all I knew was that I was dry, yeah, the Brisbane Broncos – Rugby league player. Because was it hard to let go oh, that's of those dreams? The, the biggest thing ever. Uh, you know, my first... Still, like still now, is it hard? Yeah, yeah. That's my first love. Mm. The, you know, I never loved... Obviously, I love my family, but I always love my family because they're there from the start. But it's your first But love. I fell in love with this game. Yes. And I fell in love with this thing called rugby league. Fell in love with this rubber ball. I fell in love with the people that were involved in it. And... To let go the first love that I ever had and I mm. fell in love with, that was hard. Mm. That was tough. And like I was, maybe I was on the ground at home at moments, you know, crying, not showing anyone this because, you know, like I said before, I was this guy who, yeah. you know, in my family, I had to be this person and I had no weaknesses. Um, so it's a facade that a lot of athletes put up because we can't show vulnerability. No, we, and you know what? We, we didn't, we don't want to show vulnerability, but now for me, I think vulnerability is the most beautiful thing that mm. you can ever show. And that's a, one of my biggest attributes now is being vulnerable. You know, if I see – you know, I, I used to think that watching a movie with my wife and I couldn't cry about it is, was, oh, I'm not manly enough. Man, just let that stuff happen. You know what I mean? Like that's – vulnerability is beautiful. Being mm. open and transparent is beautiful. And I think um, – And strong. Yeah. Yeah, honestly it is. I think it's stronger to do that stuff than it is – in front of your friends, family, people that know you, and you know, in my case, members, fans, the uh, the rugby league community, I felt like that if that was, if I could do that, then I was stronger than more than any person that I know because I don't know anyone doing that. So when you were going through your depression and I guess that transformation mm. from athlete into the next stage, yep. how did that feel? Did it like it would have felt? I imagine it felt uncomfortable. Yeah, it did because um, I was I was just lost. I was so lost. Uh, I didn't have any other skills. Like, mm. like I left school and I was a dish pig after school for a bit and I was a chippy for six months when I played under 20s. But I didn't want to do those things. You know, my, my goal was to play in the NRL. Yeah. And you were all in. Yeah, and not only that. You know, I, I come up. I come from a pretty hard family. Like we didn't have a lot, so for me, I was like everyone jump on board, get on my back because I'm carrying you, and we're going, we're going far. And you know, financially, we're all going to be okay for the rest of our lives. And that that's the way I saw it. Um, so much pressure, though. Yeah, yeah, you're right, definitely. And I think me talking about this now, and I hope one day, you know, I hope this, you know, we find a kid that's doing the same thing as me, mm. and I hope that he listens to this and, and that's not you. You don't have to be all that mm. to be, to be, you don't have to do that to be you and to be, to just to be. So. And what, to be an important member of your family and community. Oh, hundred percent. And the day my mum told me that, you know, when I opened up to her about me, you know, struggling and obviously she knows because I, 
I wouldn't talk to them about anything because I didn't want them to worry. Mm. So, but the, the the day I told my mum, you know, I was like, I'm sorry, and she was like, What are you sorry for? She goes, We are so proud of you. Like you, like I, I, I come from like I said, a, a tough upbringing. Like I could have turned another t- corner, but I, I turned this one, and I'm, you know, I'm a respectable young man who, you know, that that were my values when I was coming to footy. That that were my big values. So, yeah, it look. Stepping away from the game was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do in my life at that moment in my life, you know. So it was it, w- it was so tough to say goodbye to, to my first love. Mm. But, you know, I, I'd given so much to that game and the game gave so much to me that I knew it was going to love me back someday in some way and somehow. And, you know, sitting here right now, like I wouldn't be able to tell this story if I didn't have rugby league. So yeah. Yeah, it's it is. It's still my first love. It's not, you know, it didn't get up and pack its bag and leave. It's still here with me. So, um, but I thought it was done. You know, so I think, like we spoke about at the start, you hold on. You got to hold on to some things sometimes. And as much as I did step away from the game, I'm still there. Mm. You know, it'll. I'll always still be. You know, Dralia, the Brisbane Broncos player, but I'm just a. I see myself in a different way now. Yeah. Where other people still see me in that way, yeah. Well, I think it's it's part of you. It not it's not you. No, yeah, yeah. Because I, because I, I, I really, that resonates with me so much. I, I totally understand what you mean. Yeah, because like for me, I really pushed back against being Libby Trick at the swimmer for a mm-hmm. really long time because I'm like, I don't, that, I don't want that to be everything. Yeah, I don't want that to be how everyone remembers me forever. Mm-hmm. And now I've come back around to embrace that yeah. and be like that if that's how people know me then that's a wonderful thing but yeah. you know it's it's not who I am no definitely it's part of who I am and I think when I spoke to you on the phone about this Libby I'd my first instinct was like I knew you swam but like I come here and I meet your family and yeah that's I don't see you as a swimmer I just see you as a lovely person I Thank think you. that's I think <laughs> as human beings <laughs> but I think as human beings we've got to be more like that yeah you know I, I don't go judge someone for what they do like mm. You just you, you don't do that, but I think if we all had that mindset, man, we would have a pretty cool life, wouldn't we? Mm. But I think that's not how everyone thinks. Yeah, it's just how probably the ones that have been through some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> think. yeah, I, it, it's so true. I think when you go through those traumatic periods in your life, yeah. that's the shit that gives you perspective. Hundred percent. You know yeah. that that makes you more empathetic. It makes you kinder. Yeah if you allow it to change you in that way. You're so right. And I definitely wouldn't be the man I am today without my story and what mm. happened, happened to me because, you know, you never know. I might still be that footy player, but would I still – will I have all these views? I don't – I actually don't think so. Yeah. So as much as people go, oh, you know, you could have been anything, well, I am anything and I am everything and that I thought I was going to be and better. So that makes Amazing. me – that makes me feel – a lot happier that this happened to me because if it didn't, I probably wouldn't have met my wife. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have my son, you know, and that's 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 the stuff that, you know, I look at and, and makes me happy because mm. I, I actually don't think I would have met my, my, my wife because I probably would have been playing footy and I wouldn't have met her in the fashion that I did. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm every day I'm grateful for, you know, what happened to me. Not I'm not upset at all. Yeah. I'm, I love it, yeah. So how do you how do you pick yourself up? How do you because 
you've had this injury that has just changed the course of your life. You've gone through this period of, you know, incredible lows and darkness. How do you navigate out of that? Like what what were the steps that you took? Man, I had to press the reset button. Like Mm. I had to completely go, all right, we've just got to start again. Um, and when I mean start again, firstly, I had to reach, I had to talk to somebody because I didn't know who I was or what I was going to do. And when I mean talk to someone, I'm, I'm not embarrassed. I wouldn't seen, you know, a psychiatrist. I wouldn't seen a man, um, in the name of Clint Schultz. He's an indigenous, uh, fella. And it, for me, it wasn't even, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was going to see a site. It felt like I was going to country. And I was talking to a man about life. Yeah. And after about seven or six sessions, I asked him, I go, are we going to, you know, talk about, you know, what I'm here for? And he he goes, well, (laughs) he goes, bro, he goes, I've had a lot of people here, man, but you're pretty good at talking. And (laughs) he goes, you've you've done that for the last six sessions, Raul. Yeah. And look how happy, he goes, do you feel happy when you come? I was like, man, I love coming here. And he goes, well, that's because that's who you are. You're an indigenous boy who's from you know the country. This is this is this is why you're here. You, I didn't, you don't need any you know other psychs. This is it for you. Mm. And I was like, holy crap! Yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that. But that was you know for me that was a first step just to remember who I am as a person. And then from that day on, when I when I left there, I was just like, I was just I'm just so, I just was always so happy. Mm. Um, and I think I'd put that past behind me. It's, it was gone. And I know that sounds like it was easy, but there were those there, there were tough roads before that moment I went and seen that man. And yeah. before, like he was a last resort, really. Like I was going to do some really silly things, and and that's why I encourage people. It's so important to to talk, just to talk to anybody. Like it's so important to talk to people, but you don't have to know the person. Just Go and talk to someone. Well, I'm not going to say go talk to some random on the bus stop because <laughs> yeah. that would be a bit awkward. <laughs> don't just divulge your deepest, Cause, darkest cause, feelings. Because they <laughs> might not feel the same way <laughs> yes. and call the police. But, <laughs> but talk to, you know, talk to someone who you trust a little bit that mm. you can just tell a story to them. and Because that's the, the biggest part of my mental health was I needed to talk to people because my first instinct was – just to go into a shell, mm. like a lot of people it is, and athletes, especially young men. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, like, yeah, you got to remember, I was still only twenty two, twenty three, yeah. so I hadn't even figured out my emotions, you mm. know. So, but I feel like in this day and age, we're getting a lot better at it. And I know we know that girls are really good at talking about their feelings, but yeah. we need more boys to be like that. It's like it's emo- emotional literacy. Yeah. It's like being able to describe how you're feeling yep. and being comfortable talking about it. It makes such a difference to how yeah. you actually perceive the situation. And I've actually got to say something. There's a difference between getting on the piss with your mates and telling your feelings than there is actually with sitting down and going to a co- having a coffee with your friend and going – Look, these are the issues because you know what? No one's going to talk about those things that you talk about when you've had a few beers after. Mm-hmm. It's done there because you you feel, you go, oh, did we really talk about that last yeah. night? So that's a big one because I feel like young fellas these days and, you know, anybody, so young women and young men, they, that's a big out for them. They like to go have a social drink and then they think that's 
that's the moment. That's not the right way to do it because I was there. I, mm. I used to do that and I used to thought that that was the way to do it. It's just like verbal diarrhea when, yeah, you, had, yeah. when you had a few drinks. And that's, hope no one remembers. Exa- <laughs> and that's exactly right. Yep. So, yeah, I think being honest um, when I wasn't, and this isn't wasn't when I was drinking, like I was on prescription drugs pretty bad wow. for my ankle. So I would I definitely had an addiction to prescription drugs. So like it was, yeah, that stuff you've got to make sure you do it when you're sober and when you are open um, to someone that cares for you as well. It's honestly, it's so remarkable to hear a big footballer yeah. talk about these things because yeah. it's just not spoken about enough yeah and especially for young men and especially for you know talking about addiction and being really open and yeah. upfront about that stuff do you, do you worry about what people might think of you or do you feel just so passionate about sharing your experience that you might help somebody oh kind of puts it in the back of your mind i think i don't worry anymore like take me back to when i was younger yeah i'd worry what people think about me mm. but you know, I, I no, I don't worry what people think about me. Um, that's their opinion, and everyone should have their opinion. You know, if I think it's right, it's probably a different story. But I'm not going to pull someone up because they think I've done something you know wrong in my past, which I know I've done a lot of a lot of things wrong. Um, no, I'm not perfect. I know nobody's perfect, but those opinions are you know for people to people to make. And yeah, if yeah, I used to think what people cared about. But like I said, I got a I got a lovely family. I got a beautiful wife and a beautiful son that cares about me a lot. Um, the people that are distant to me, their opinion to me probably doesn't matter as much. Mm. But if there's someone close to me, then yeah, I'll care. I'll I'll I won't and I won't I won't be I won't attack them. I'll ask how do I make that better? What do I need to do? You know to fix that. Mm. Um, I think I used to be very controversial, <laughs> and I used to be. <laughs> Like I like, I used to like making drama with, you know, and talking, you know, back. And I think that was just a thing in my family. Mm. <laughs> but I think I've taught a lot of my family how to treat each other as well. Like my family never used to, a lot of my family never used to talk to each other. Mm. And I think, you know, me talking to my aunties and uncles and that about how important it is to make sure that we are one because, you know, with, it's family, you know, you got to make sure. Like my mum... And my auntie didn't talk for like six, seven years. Wow. And they're sisters. So, yeah, I make it a point that we've got to stick together as a family and, and yeah, your answer to your question is no, I don't really care what I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> <laughs> Long story short, not really. <laughs> but it's such a – I think it's – I mean, it's an age thing and it's a perspective thing, but you definitely get to a point where you're just like, you do. Is it, this is who I am. I used to be – I did when I was young. I was so materialistic and, mm. you know, I was, because I never had a lot of things, I was like, oh, I've got to buy things to be cool and I've got to look cool to be cool. Well, that's actually a, an interesting question because I, I think a, about that a lot yep. for young mm. footy players, right? So, you know, they might come from difficult backgrounds yeah. with not a lot of money and then they're given these amazing contracts with – Potentially, money, yeah. oh, not always, but potentially getting, you know, a lot of money from these footy clubs. Yep. Are you taught how to manage money m- much? Well, at the Broncos, we had a thing. We had we had thoroughbreds. Okay. So the thoroughbreds were a group, a group of men and women who were very wealthy who, you know, would teach us about 
whatever their field of expertise was, we would go and talk to those. We don't have it anymore. Okay. We don't have it anymore, but we used to. And um, we used to have great businessmen who were great with property. Mm. Um, you know, other businessmen who were great with, you know, starting a business and, um, you know, work ethic and stuff like that. So we, ha- we, we used to have some great men and women at the club to help us with that. and Kind of mentoring roles. Yes, and you yeah. used to be able to latch on. We used to have a book. It was pretty cool. When I first saw, we used to have a book, and it used to have all their faces and all their names on it, and what they did for their profession, and um, not how much they were worth, but they should have been. Um, <laughs> and it, you know, they just sort of it was pretty cool. So, um, you know, I latched onto a few of those blokes about you know property and stuff like that, just to because my first thing was I want to buy a house for my mum. You know, that was my biggest you know job, and that's what I wanted to do. Mm. Because my grandparents already owned their home, and um, so I bought my grandparents a new car and stuff like that. So, you know, the probably the car thing probably wasn't the smartest at the time because you don't really get any money back <laughs> in the car. But you know, I, I actually didn't get long enough to do that for my mum, unfortunately. But those were the things that I was lucky enough to have because you know I'm I'm lucky now because I was smart with my money and I do have equity and you know we do live in a great house and you know I only played 5 years of first grade so but there's kids who you know still playing now who mm. you know I talk to and they go no I don't have a house I'm like well, what do you mean you're on like 250,000 yeah. a year like 250,000 your average person what in Australia like 50 grand or something oh, you know yeah. what I mean so that's four years of four or five years of people's wages. Yeah. So I didn't realise that when I first did it, but then when they sat us down and talked about it like that, it made sense. But the thing is, when you play footy, you live in your means. Like you, you spend money like everybody else because you've got money. Yeah, everyone's got money. Everyone's got money. You yeah. go to the pub, you know, on the after a game and you buy – 10 drinks and you bring it over the table mm. and that's like 80 bucks yeah. but it doesn't bother you you put some money in the pokies you put you know 100 150 through the pokies so that's almost 300 bucks gone right there yeah and you haven't even started the day yeah but you just got money so that's that was just normal but i think <laughs> when you leave the game yeah you know if you haven't prepared nah, you're screwed well i know a lot of boys you know that that have had gambling problems and mm. that's you know, and for them now they're trying to chase their bum, you know, of going to the pub and be like, oh, I'll put $20 in here and $20. Where it used to be I put $300 in here. But in gambling, it's it's terrible. Mm. And I think we probably need more around that. And, I look, I've got I to gotta say, sometimes the, the NRL, you know, could be better mm. at this stuff. There's obviously no – we're not going to stop at all. Mm. But we need to be better at helping these these boys – invest better in what they're going to do. Not just invest in their money, but their life. Yeah. Invest in their life. Well, because that was going to be my next question. Is it like, do you feel like the NRL, like obviously your your career was so cut short yeah. and, and, you know, you couldn't maybe take advantage of things like yeah, that. Yeah. But do you think the NRL does that in a good way? Like prepare athletes for life after sport? I think we do it as it, we do it for these young fellas that are before they get to grade, mm-hmm. but only like a year before. And they lose interest because then they've got the money and they yeah. don't. So I, I feel like it's probably got to be ongoing yearly or quarterly. Mm. And as much as that boring sounds, even being an ex-footy player, hearing that we've got to go to a meeting after we've had a big day of training yeah. or on our day off, like 
get over it because <laughs> he's getting No, but this is exactly yeah. right. Like I think back to being 19 and someone coming in to try and give me a workshop about life after sport and yeah. I'd be like, fuck off. Like, 100%. No, that's, that's exactly what we all say. <laughs> I'm six fuck foot off. tall and bulletproof <laughs> yeah. and you can't tell me what to do. <laughs> I think we're getting better. Our RPA is pretty good at it because mm. it's players. Mm. So the boys want to listen to ex-players. Yeah. But if you've got a businessman that you don't know coming in, yeah. boys are in the back snoring. Like – that's 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 just the way it is. Yeah, that's just the reality. So we we could be better at that, but at the end of the day, it's 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 the individual. It's how you're brought up as well. Like it's unfortunately, I mean, like I said, I didn't have a lot, but my mum was big on morals, and that was you know being you know polite, please and thank you, mm. and you know honesty was was a big one as well. So I was just lucky. I had good morals growing up. Um, where you know, obviously, some kids might not have those opportunities. Mm. I didn't have anything materially, materialistically, but I, I had great, um, I had a great mother, and and my grandparents were amazing as well. Because I find that quite interesting. Because you talked about you could have gone in a different direction. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way. Uh, it, like at seventeen, my brother was struggling with addiction and yeah. alcohol and lots yeah. of different things. And I was partying way too hard. I was drinking every weekend at yeah. like 16, 17. Yeah. And for some reason. And is that I'm, what it's like in, before you, is that what swimming was like? No. No? That was okay. just school. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds terrible. No, no. Um, no. But yeah, no, like I, it was kind of school. It was kind of my parents divorced. Yeah. My brother was having a really rough time. Yeah. And I didn't know what I wanted to be. Yeah. And I didn't know what was possible, but I know that I, I knew that I loved swimming. Yeah. And I saw the path that my brother was on mm. and that scared me. I think that's, that's, that's a trigger for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like what, made, what was the decision for you? Like how did you make the decision oh, man, to go I the see, path that you were I've seen some shit yeah. when I was younger, honestly, and that's just a pure fact. Like mm. I grew up without a father. You know, my dad left me and my mum and then did the same to my brother. Mm. Um, so we have different fathers but we're, we're so close. So my mum, you know, my mum, I used to go to work with my mum at Arnott's Biscuits Factory and sit under her desk because mm. we couldn't afford for me to go to, you know, kindy or anything like that. So I thought that was all normal though. Yeah. But, but alcohol was a big, and drugs were a big, you know, in my family, probably a bit more alcohol. And um, my mum was probably pretty bad when she was younger. But in the saying that, it was probably normal back in the day to, you know, you take your kids to the pub and put them under the, you know, table yeah. and, and and drink to the night end, and then you put you get in a cab and you go home. So I grew up around alcohol. I grew up around drugs, mm. and like you with your brother, that turned me off. Wanted to drink and smoke yeah. and do any of that stuff because I seen fights every weekend. Mm. Uh, and, you know, me and my brother would just go upstairs and lay in bed and put the pillows over and just hopefully we didn't hear any of that stuff. And yeah, I just. That that I didn't want to be that, and I seen a lot of you know some of my family members turn into that, mm. unfortunately, and I just knew I had an opportunity to get out of that. And I always said to my brother, I was like, "We're not, we're not doing any of that." Mm. Obviously, I you know I have a beer now, but it, you know I don't abuse it. Yeah, I think that's the the different one. It is different. And look, yeah. I, I I like staying at home with my mates and having a big night, mm. but I I as a footy player, I get nervous to go out, man. Yeah. It's well, so nervous to go out. Because you're a role model yeah. and they're, they're, well, the media a lot looks 
for you to make a they, mistake. They do. And especially with rugby league players. Yeah, well, look, I'm not just going to – I'm not going to paint. We, we are these – bo- these boys in this day and age can be bad, yeah. you know. And we got to – Look, be there's bad. a lot of shitness out there. Def- there definitely is. But like, there I've, can be. But I've got to a point now that I, 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 if I go out, I just say to people, look, I can't take pictures because I just look drunk and mm. I don't want to – I don't want my son to see that one day. Yeah. And that's the start that's the kind of stuff. And then I just go, what's the what's the point of me going out? And you know what in Brisbane, you know, I'm thirty two this year. You know, I, I retired when I was twenty three. I still get recognised. Yeah. Once you play for the Broncos. Oh hell yeah. You just you can't go anywhere. So yeah. Yeah, I I can't go anywhere. So yeah. there's no point for me in I can't really enjoy and it's such it sounds sad, but that's you know, I, I understand that comes with it and you've got to be a You've got to be a good person. You've got to be respectful. But do you feel that, like, because you obviously had that sense of responsibility for your family. Do you feel like you're still a role model for your oh, community? 100%. Like, 100%. I mean, if I went out tonight, you know, yeah. say, and got on the piss and made an idiot of myself mm. and it was on the back page, can you imagine how many Indigenous kids would see that? For mm. me, not only, not just Indigenous kids, but for me – they're the at-risk ones, you mm. know, because we grow up in a, uh, in harder, you know, circumstances. So I do think about that a lot. I enjoy and I enjoy having fun. Like I would be the, I'd be the, I'd, I'd be one of the most funnest in our team, you know, yeah. when I was playing footy. But I choose, just quietly, yeah, that's a brag. <laughs> but I enjoy that stuff. Yeah, but I just can't do it. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah, I think the other thing is when I was younger, I, I became closer friends with the people who. Republicans and own places, so mm. I could go somewhere and enjoy my time without being punished by people mm. in the nicest way possible. Because if you say no to a picture when I'm playing, and someone goes, "Oh, well, you're an idiot," then I go, well, "How do I win this situation?" Exactly. I, I don't. For me, I don't win the situation because I look drunk. I don't want to take a picture, but I'll sit here and have a chat to you. Mm. So how do I win that? You don't. You don't. So. Just cut all those ties and just yeah, you got to set yourself up so you're not yeah in, and, and, in a bad situation. And these boys, you know what, man, they're they're single. They want to go out. They want to talk to girls. And I get that. I totally understand that. Mm. But now it comes with the contracts, boys. Yeah, it, it, unfortunately, it does. And I don't like saying that because mm. I want I want all my mates that you know I want all the young boys to go out and enjoy themselves. But it just it's just the way it is. Yeah, I it's mean, also if, a privilege to. Yeah. Play and have a great contract. Definitely, and all that definitely. Stuff, you've yeah. got a you got a lifespan of you know ten years. Hopefully, yeah. You make your best money ever, and if you set yourself up right, you could retire. You don't have to go and you know your place. So yeah, it's that part of that part of the you know the footy side of it is tough sometimes, mm. but it is it comes with the territory. So what do you do now? What 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 makes Gerald get up in the morning and well, you know what? excited. You know what? The funny thing is, you know, we we're talking about the identity of me being this rugby league player. Yeah. Well, I had a moment the other day uh, where I was at home and I had I had a guy I had to come. Um, we had a leak in our shower that went into our other room and I had to get the carpets cleaned and everything. So a uh, plumber came in. I, I look completely different with a beard and long hair and mm. – this actually, I probably wouldn't even say that. He probably didn't even know who I was because he was younger. But <laughs> this, is, this is how I knew that my life of, of Gerald sort of is passing a little bit, and I'm okay with it mm. because I started to talk to him, and he goes, "It's probably leads me into the next, you know, question of what I do now." Is he goes, "Do you 
fucking radio. So he didn't recognise me from being playing footy. He recognised my voice because I work on radio now. Amazing. So, um, How did that make you feel? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually pretty cool yeah. because I actually get worried when people come to my house. One, this sounds terrible, but because they're going to know where I live mm. and, and who I am. Yeah. And I got, you know, There's some weirdos out there. Yeah, and I got, you know, I got a family. Yeah. I, don't want, I don't want people coming to my house. So mm. I do get nervous. I usually get my wife to do all the talking to, all the tradies and everything. Yeah. But that was a pretty cool moment. That yeah. was a pretty cool moment because, ne- you know, that put me in another category and I never thought I'd be there in my life. So the other question, you know, the answer to your question is I work in radio at 98.9. I'm in a, on a country radio station. I've got my own breakfast show. If you had told me, you know, five or six years ago that I'd be working in radio mm. and talking shit for a living, yes, I'd be, I'd be telling you a line. I'll be, I'll be honestly, and um, not only that, uh, I also work for a company called Bloke in a Bar. Mm. Um, so Den and Kemp, uh, he's an ex Bronco, so he runs a podcast called Bloke in a Bar as well. Yeah, and he's doing really, really well. Awesome, but he started his own beer company. Oh, how good! He called me at the start in January and asked me, he goes, um, Would you, do you want to be an ambassador and a beer rep? And I go, what the hell's a beer rep? <laughs> he, goes, he goes, well, the reason I'm calling you is because, going back to the other what we spoke about, he goes, you know a lot of publicans, you know a lot of people in Brisbane. Yeah. I go, well, yeah, I do. And he goes, that's all I really got to know, man. So I've got these two amazing jobs that I absolutely love doing because, mm. one, I love drinking beer. Yep. And – the other is I love talking shit. <laughs> <laughs> so they go, they coincide pretty well. Perfect. Uh, and yeah, and obviously my biggest achievement after footy is I'm, you know, I'm a husband and I'm a father. Mm. So it's, life's, life's pretty good. Mm. Life's pretty good. And uh, I didn't think, you know, I thought I was going to spiral out of control, you know, 11 years ago, 12 years ago. Mm. But, um, you know, another one, if you told me that I was sitting in your, you know, house right now yeah. doing a podcast. <laughs> I'd be saying you talk shit as well. So <laughs> I just think that everything – I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I'm a huge believer in that. And, you know, not only did I work hard when I play footy, but I know you know, I work hard to, to do this these other two jobs that I do as well. Probably not as good as I did when I played footy, mm. but I still, you know, try to carry myself the best way I can um, and, and be a great father and a husband and, and you know, a son, grandson. So – you know, I hope, you know, and only just last year, you know, I probably lost the biggest person in my life, my grandmother, who's who was probably the matriarch of our family, mm. who'd done everything and, you know, showed me soccer and showed me rugby league. And, um, you know, she was, oh, she was the biggest part of, of me. So she always told me, she's like, you always got to be strong. So, um, you know, when she left, when she left us last year, it was, t- it was really tough. But, you know, I, I, I know and I hope um, I'm doing her proud because she just didn't get to meet my little fella, and mm. it was it was it was a tough time. But like I said, I'm I'm I know I know that she'd be so proud of you know me and my wife and my brother and and my mum and everyone um, because you know we've come a, we've come a long way and um, yeah. So just had to give her a bit of a shout out because yeah. through everything she she yeah she's been my rock. Oh, there's n- no doubt in my mind that she'd be incredibly. They're just so cool, aren't they? Oh, right? they are. Like they're, they're just the best. So. Yeah, yeah. She would be so proud of who you are and yeah, where you. you've come from. It's incredible it. what you've been able to achieve. I think there's two questions yep. that I want to finish with. One, mm-hmm. what are you most proud of from your sporting career? Because I think 
a lot. I, I love asking this question because you know I think people look at in an athletes and it's like it's a win or it's X Y and Z achievement. This, but, is, this is such an easy question for me. Okay, it's such an easy question. My biggest achievement for me was you know when I got told I'd never play footy again, mm. and you know I put a Broncos jersey on at Redcliffe Stadium against the Cowboys in a in a trial match, and they told me I'd never do that again. And I've got to give a lot of credit to my, my coach, Anthony Griffin, um, at the time. He definitely knew I wasn't ready to go back and play that, that level. But he gave wasn't me Wasn't it like eight months after you? Yeah, it wasn't long after. And, and you know, I've played for my country. I've played for my people. I've played for my state and I've played for my town. But that, by far, for me, was the, was a, was the toughest, toughest I've ever felt to get back to something. Mm. And as, that is the most... Memorable moment of my life playing sports. So, yeah. Wow, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. It's, I know it's not what everyone probably thought. No, but th- this is this is the thing I think, you know, people look at, you know, different achievements. They yeah. look at those big moments, yeah. you know, for athletes, like swimmers. It's once every four years that yeah. their eyes are on us. But yeah. really the joy and the pride happens in those quiet oh. moments where – Maybe not many people were watching and yeah, I was it's in, for you. Yeah, that rehab group, like I was in a rehab group for so long mm. and oh, I, like I got that good at rowing that my, my trainer, a guy from um, AIS in Canberra asked yeah. me to go try out for the rowing. <laughs> Did the Olympics. you? No, because I <laughs> fucking hated rowing. <laughs> I hated it, but I was good at it. You were good at it, Because yeah. I did it every day for yeah. so long. Yeah. But. There's one thing I don't miss about footy, and that's preseason and rehab. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate, I hate them both. I mean, they're, they're obviously both very integral parts of why you play. You know, put them sport. both in the bin, though. Def- definitely. <laughs> so, <laughs> I was so happy when, and this was a true story. I was so happy when I retired, and the and the following preseason, I sat on the back of my ute with a with a um, esky of beer, and I and I sat there in the morning and watched the boys train yep. first day back, and I cracked a beer. <laughs> And I just went. I don't care. I don't. I do not even care. Yep. I didn't care. My my version of that is setting an alarm for Saturday morning because we train, train on Saturday mornings, yeah, and yeah. then turning it off in the morning and going. I can go back to sleep. I could have because you would have to. What time do you have to get up? Oh, uh, not too early. Like four forty-five. That's still wet. That's still early. It's still early when you're doing it. My, if you told my wife week. that she would vomit in her throat. <laughs> yeah. She's not a morning person. But it's so funny because I love, like, you love early mornings, yeah. obviously doing morning radio now, yeah. and I, I still love early mornings. I just feel more productive. Oh, I mean, if I woke up at nine, like, I'm missing half the morning. Half the day. And half the morning, the morning's the best part of the day. Totally agree. Like, I don't want to see a sunset. Like, <laughs> Yeah, sunsets are okay, but yeah. sunrises, guys. <laughs> yeah, you, start, you got a whole day ahead of you. Yeah, exactly. All right, my final question because there will be other athletes in, you know, Australia, around the world yep. who might be listening to you and your experiences and your journey who are going through a, an injury themselves yep. that they may or may not be able to come back from and may force them to yep. retire from their sport. What What is your advice? What is your advice for the, those moments, those dark times to, to get through? Um, one you're more than just the sport you play or you're more than, you know, what you do for a profession. Mm. You, you know, you, you, you're a brother, you're a sister, you, you know, you, you're more than just that sport is, is one of them. For coming back from, from injuries, 
you know, I, I wish I could, you know, say what I what everyone would feel, you know, but I, I, I only know what I felt and I know that when I talk to you today that I, you know, I'm a human being that, that just, I knew that I worked my bum off to do everything I possibly could. I, I think don't, don't count yourself out too soon, you know. Do everything you possibly can. Tick all the boxes if you're coming back from something serious. And at the end of the day, if you go, you know what, I've, I've done everything I possibly can to be myself in this sport and better, then I think that's, you know, I, I think if you let it go, you got to be feel pretty good about yourself. I mean, I, just, I still remember I did my last press conference and I said, you know what, I, 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 I ticked every box. I did everything I possibly could. Mm. So, one, don't give up on yourself. When you, when you think it's over, push yourself further. Push yourself further. Another one is, don't, you know, if you need help, get help. Uh, mm. You know, talk to people. Talk to someone. But, yeah, don't sell yourself short. Like, go for, go, go for the most. Go, go for whatever you can. You know, the, I had a great saying when I was in, in, in school, and it was my teacher said to me at my, in PE, he didn't think I was, you know, going to play sports or whatever. He didn't think I was going to be very good. Um, and I read in this book, uh, sorry, he said to me, he goes, well, you know what, Drell, you know, I might not give you the praise, but if you want to be an astronaut and you fall pretty short and you become a pilot, it's still pretty bloody good. Mm. So if you just reach as far as you can and as, as long as you can and you still fall short, you're still going to be pretty good. Mm. So that that's probably what i got to say about that. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> just perfect. Jarrell, that was just so – it's everything that I could have imagined this conversation to be. You're incredibly articulate around something that could be so devastating to your life and you've just – you've built yourself up and you're, you're doing something that you love and it's so – such a privilege to, yeah. to witness that. We only get – look, I say this to my co-host all the time. She hates it. I said, we're all going to die one day. Yeah. We only get one of these things called life. Yeah. Just, man, just live it at the best you, best way you possibly can. I say that to my wife as well. She also doesn't like it. <laughs> but I also think to myself, I've had, I've had a lot of, unfortunately, I've had a lot of death in my family, mm. in, you know, over my time. But, you know, we're, we're all put on this earth for a reason. And I know my reason is f- for this. Mm. And my reason is to inspire. And, you know, if I leave here today and this does help someone, I thank you and... I hope it does because it would mean the world to to me. It will be remarkable how many people you've touched with your um, – And obviously this podcast story. will go to number one too. Oh, oh, obviously. obviously. <laughs> you told a, me that on the phone. Exactly. You're like, let's get it to number one. Yeah. It's going to be the most listened. <laughs> I love that because that's my athlete mentality too. I'm like, yeah, baby, let's yeah, do it. 100%. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Gerard. Okay. That was amazing. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Thank you so much for listening to today's show. I am so excited to share that conversation with you. I think particularly for young men, it's not that easy to talk about mental health and particularly talking about seeking help when you need it, when you're at your lowest and having that permission almost to to ask for that help um and Jarrell just I don't know he articulated that so well and I'm just so grateful to have been able to share his experiences and his story he's a remarkable 
young man who is doing an amazing job normalising those mental health conversations. So, uh, as always, like, subscribe, rate, review, please. That would be amazing. And if you have any ideas of any other athletes who have transitioned into the real world uh, that you'd like me to talk to or that you're interested in hearing from, make sure you hit me up at All That Glitters Pod uh, and, yeah, direct message me. That would be great. And just a reminder, if this has been a, a trigger for you and you're feeling like you're going through a difficult time, make sure you reach out and give Lifeline a call on 13 11 14. You are not alone.